Welcome to another episode of the Gary Wilkerson Podcast, and today we're talking, Gary, about the Holy Spirit, uh, mm-hmm. one member of the Trinity, but yet it seems to be one that a lot of Christians kind of ignore, don't we? Yeah, you're absolutely why, right. Why is that? Um, my my own story would be, um, to say it bluntly, I don't think I really like the Holy Spirit. I like the Father, I like the Son, and I like the Bible, but the Holy Spirit seemed weird to me. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and I attributed the, the things that seemed bizarre uh, people speaking in a different language. Uh, a lady in the church when I was 10 years old, every Sunday she would get up and she'd go, Ooh, and she'd start spinning around in circles. I just mm-hmm. think like that, which, you know, now that I'm a little older and hopefully more well-versed in scripture, I realize, you know, that's, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, you know, put be in a category of, of being in the flesh, but yeah. it certainly seemed these excessive fleshly manifestations that happen oftentimes more in a charismatic Pentecostal movement caused me to, uh, unintentionally grieve the Holy Spirit by saying, like, you know, I, I really don't want you. So growing up the way I did, I, I should have been what they call baptized in the Holy Spirit mm. at maybe 10, 12 years old because mm. I got saved when I was six, uh, but I just kept hesitating. They'd have these prayer times where I said, come forward and we'll yeah. pray over you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I would be like, you know, I would act, literally start shaking and my heart would pound. Like, I don't want that. I don't want that. And mm. I remember meeting this woman named Catherine Coleman and she was, uh, she had like a healing ministry, and she wore these long flowing gowns, and she'd be on the stage, and there'd be seven, eight thousand, ten thousand people out there. And, and uh, I remember it looked like you know those. You ever see those old movies where the nuns kind of floated across the stage, <laughs> yeah. like their legs didn't move? She yeah. kind of had that kind of feel, and so, um, and then she would touch people, and they would fall over. So I remember the first time meeting her, and my father was speaking at one of her events, and she came towards me, and. I thought, I, I don't want her to touch me. So she reached out her hand to shake my hand. I, I wouldn't shake her hand. So, you know, so, so I think that's probably maybe more than a lot of people experience that might be negative keeping them from, from that. So I would say, one, it's experience. Two, I would say it's uh, teaching. Uh, there are many people that teach what's called the cessationist uh, from the word cease. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. So if you're taught that and you sort of have a word of knowledge or you pray for the sick and they get healed, you're going to go, well, what just happened? Because that's not biblical. That thing has ceased. So so you have, one is emotional uh, and the other is is uh, intellectual. Mm-hmm. And so between those two things, the Holy Spirit sort of gets a bad rap and is, is sort of limited and hindered and um, reduced, I think. Not, not that you can reduce the Holy Spirit because he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got, he's part of the Trinity, as you said. Yeah. Sovereignty of God is a reality of His that cannot be thwarted, uh, cannot be held back. But He chooses to work through us, and in certain ways, He says, uh, you're, "I'm not going to be limited as the Holy Spirit, but you're going to be limited in what I can do in you and through you." Mm. Well, I'm sure a lot of Christians are in the same boat as you were, and probably so. We're kind of starting from scratch. Who is the Holy Spirit? What are His works? So. For our listeners there that probably grew up like you do or just haven't thought much about it, let's start at the very basic point. What are the works of the Holy Spirit? I think there's two things we're talking about. One, the emotional, and the other, the intellectual. Mm-hmm. is uh, The emotional, is there, there are emotional elements to the Holy Spirit. I, I think there's the, the comfort, which is certainly an emotional element, the peace that comes. Uh, but then there's the, the other, is the intellectual, so to speak, or the, the things that touch one is the heart, the, the other the mind. So he, he, he'll lead you in all truth. And so these these are the elements, but but I uh, you know one of the the notes I made here is the Holy Spirit is the living agency of the work of God in us and through us, and so he he lives to work in us. So that could be convict. John talks a lot about this to convict the world of sin of righteousness. 
and of truth. And so you see these elements of both the mind and the heart working in the Holy Spirit. So, uh, so first of all, he works in us uh, to convict us of sin, to change us, to make us more like Christ, uh, and, then, and to teach us all truth. And then he works through us. And I would say those would be more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, or the, uh, one would be maybe more the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Those are things that are working in us and then through us to other people would be these gifts, which Paul says, then the ultimate one you, you should seek, uh, does, does, you know, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but mostly that you prophesy, which I would take as speaking a good word of encouragement. It doesn't have to be, a, again, my experience would be somebody standing in the church trying to sound like Moses, thus saith the Lord. And when you say it that way, you know, I think there's an error in that because then you can't contend it. You can't judge it. And even Paul himself says, you know, judge the prophecies to see if they're so. And so I, I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I love the fact that almost everything Paul says about the moving of the Holy Spirit is that he sees it's moving through jars of clay. And so he always puts um, puts sort of boundaries and borders and uh, controls, not that you control the Holy Spirit, but that you control the church so that it doesn't go into these excesses. Uh, it could be a theological excess of uh, teaching that's incorrect. Uh, and a lot of that happens, and I think people move back from the Holy Spirit because a lot of the teachings about the Holy Spirit are excessive. We see that in a lot of the hyper-charismatic uh, churches today. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of facing both ends. When uh, when I became a Christian, when you became a Christian, when any believer became a Christian, was that the work of the Holy Spirit Absolutely, as well? Absolutely, yeah. No one can be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. So every Christian is Spirit-filled. There's There's no such thing as a non-spirit-filled Christian. There's, there's, um, and, and even, I don't know if they, have you heard the word full gospel lately? I, uh, not, not very much. But you remember it though, I right? do, yes. I, I think a lot of churches used to say we're full gospel, mm -hmm. which is horribly offensive to people. Then it's like, then you're two thirds gospel. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I never use that uh, terminology because every Christian is full gospel. I do believe there are, um, works of the Holy Spirit that come alongside the believer, uh, that is already has the Spirit of God living in them, uh, that fans that Spirit into flame and can ignite certain things. Can, like Paul laid hands on Timothy and he received a gift. Uh, that that was subsequent to him already having the Holy Spirit. Um, the Book of Acts. There were several occasions where uh, they prayed for believers who had seemingly gotten saved. And I think there's some debate about that. Like when Paul goes uh, and says, you know, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Um, some people say, well, they didn't really believe. They believed you know, intellectually in Jesus came and taught, uh, but they hadn't received him in heart. So I, I don't really know the truth behind all mm -hmm. that. But basically there are, there are certain events in the book of Acts where uh, a group of believing Christians either initially got a, a more activated faith or a, 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 an imposition, so to speak, a, a, an imposing upon people uh, certain gifts. Uh, it could be prayer language. It could be uh, the gift of evangelism that, and so, so at that point, you know, uh, Peter stands up with the, with the, the group and he preaches and 3000 are saved, something that never happened to him before. And so there, I, I like that part about the Holy spirit. He can, when I was six, I got saved and he lived and breathed in me and convicted me and comforted me. But uh, there have been several times in my life where there was this fresh, uh, my friend Jim Simla calls fresh wind, fresh fire mm. in, a, in his famous book. And I think the Holy Spirit continues to do that. And of course, I think some people limit that by saying, no, it only happens one time. You have this 
uh, you know, the Wesleyans, John Wesley and the Methodists would say a second act of grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and, and I believe there could be a second act and a third and a fourth and fifth. Uh, it's, I don't think it's a one time, time event. So that's, that, that's some of the stuff that the Holy Spirit's doing. And we're finding ourselves in a generation, um, right now that, that, uh, I just recently wrote an article and it's, it, and I titled it, uh, a charismatic chaos versus charismatic quenching. And these are the, as, as I sort of alluded to just a minute ago, these are the two polarized views of the Holy Spirit. The, the charismatic chaos is, is, is exactly what it is. It's chaotic. It's out of control. It's, it's as some people say, it's, it's, it's uh, charisma without a seatbelt. There's none of the, the, none of the teachings and guidelines that Paul gave to us. So if you're going to speak in tongues, make sure it's only two or three of you. If you're going to have prophets speak, make sure that, that there's other prophets there to do that. If you're going to speak in tongues, make sure there's an interpreter. He's always putting these conditions to keep it from being chaotic. Mm. And, and even then, I think he understood it's going to be still a little bit chaotic anyway. Mm. Uh, you know, we're these, as I said, vessels of, of the broken vessels, mm-hmm. uh, jars of clay. And so we're going to, even though the Holy Spirit's doing things in us, we'll, we'll manifest it sometimes in the wrong way. Mm. But, but it gets to the point where... Um, it becomes very fleshly. It becomes a showmanship. It becomes draw a crowd, get a big offering. And so, and the next, each one has to become more spectacular than the next. Each church service has to have these crazy, wild, emotional elements. And the more bizarre things you have, the the, the more, you know, people go like, oh, wow, the Holy Spirit's here. So, you know, you know, you've heard this before. There's some crazy stuff about, you know, angels' feathers falling into the congregations or gold dust or uh, people getting gold teeth filled. Um, the most recent one I heard was um, uh, uh, the director of, of a children's ministry bragging about how her children, in this, in this, they 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 go to heaven almost you know two or three times a week. They're on the playground, and they go to heaven, and they come back down to earth, and and they tell stories like me and Jesus were eating popcorn and uh, or M and M's, and he liked the orange ones, and I like the red ones, you know, and just like yeah. okay, that's. <laughs> it's not here. It's not in my scripture. And I just, I don't believe it. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's because I'm a skeptic. Yeah. I think it's because I know God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, so that, that's the chaos part. Yeah. Now on the other side, you've got people who I highly respect, like a John MacArthur, who I think is one of the most brilliant biblical teachers. Uh, and yet he would be a cessationist. He believes the gifts have ceased. So he says anything almost that's charismatic is chaos. Mm. And so... You know, if you prayed for the sick, uh, you know, believing that God could heal them through the laying on of hands, that might be considered chaos. Well, that, you know, that's the other extreme of the cessation, and that would be the charismatic quenching. And so, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to be chaotic, but I don't want to quench either. I want to avoid the pitfalls of emotionalism and excess, and I want to avoid the grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit to where we don't, um, we we don't. Um, open ourselves up for him to move through us. So how do we do that then? How do we walk in the spirit without uh, hitting those guardrails on either side? Mm-hmm. Uh, first is to understand what they are and so that there's a difference between, so uh, uh, Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and this word grieve here speaks, I believe, more towards our character, our walk with the Lord. Um, so the fruit of the spirit could be grieved in the sense of him saying, uh, love one another uh, and and you are gossiping and envious and in strife and in division, uh, those things grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, and and that's a powerful word. I, 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 it just blesses me that the Holy Spirit would describe himself as one who could be grieved because he could say, I am enraged or I am, I am fed up with you pitiful creatures. Mm-hmm. 
But but he uses this word grieved, which uh, Charles Spurgeon has a whole article about this. If you ever have a chance to read his article about the grieving the Holy Spirit, uh, you can find it online. And and it's just brilliant. It just talks about the difference between anger and grief. Uh, that that anger is sort of you uh, are not only opposed to what the person did, but now you become opposed to the person. Mm-hmm. Where grief is a mixture of passion and mercy with anger. So it's 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 anger that is uh, funneled through the lens of compassion and mercy. So I so like you know, the Holy Spirit would say to me, Gary, I still love you, and you're my son, and you're so precious to me, and I still want to use you mightily. But but if you continue to gossip about others. It will grieve, and and that grief will will hinder the work of God through you. So if you're supposed to be a loving person, and you're spending a lot of time in gossip, that's just naturally going to. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to do anything to 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 hinder me. I'm hindering myself. Uh, but I think there are some times where we grieve the Holy Spirit so much that He actually, uh, and so again, Spurgeon confirms this: is He doesn't leave us because He's part of the Trinity. And the Bible says He'll never leave us or forsake us, but He does remove. The, the 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 fullness of that all those things that he does so so anything we list uh, he teaches us okay well there's there's a hindrance to the teaching and so we'll start reading our bible and it'll be dry and and it's like doesn't make any sense we'll hear a sermon and be just be bored rather than you know I, I think somebody who's not who's walking without that grieved spirit can listen to a boring sermon and still go like well, there was a there was a scripture verse that that pastor used and it really blessed me. That was I, ne- I was got fed by that. So the Holy Spirit can transcend even a bad sermon, hmm. which I'm thankful for that because I <laughs> preached my number of bad sermons. And so, uh, so the, the 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 grieving can enter. So teaching or comfort, um, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. So there's this sense of He doesn't leave, but the but the comforting begins to be diminished hmm. in our life. And so that's why you have so many Christians that are they they have so grieved the spirit that they're walking around with all without all these benefits that God has for us all these blessings all the the favor of God and that's why they wonder like and I think that's why a lot of Christians don't want to witness they don't want to say hey you know become like me I'm I'm uncomfortable I'm un, unkind I'm unpleasant mm-hmm. I have never changed in the last 5 years mm-hmm. so why don't you join my Christian family <laughs> uh, it doesn't make you know and so it has to do with our, our our impact so then the second one is is in 1 Thessalonians I think it's the fourth chapter where he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And this is a little bit different. This is not so much with our character, our walk. I call this our works. Uh, with the, uh, As I said earlier, you know, the Holy Spirit works in us. That would be, if, he, if we're not allowing that work in us, then that's the grieving, and then through us. And I think that's the quenching, the things he wants to do through us. So if if he says to me, like last night, uh, my wife and I are having uh, dinner at a restaurant, and <clears throat> the, the waitress just, she was a little bit, she was kind of grumpy. And, uh, I was getting irritated by that because I always like waitresses to take good care of us. And, but instead of letting it affect us negatively, we, at the end of the meal, just said, hey, um, did you, did, when's the last time somebody told you you are absolutely, totally loved by God? He's thrilled with you. He thinks you're, you're really, really precious, and he wants to know you more. And a little tear came around. She goes, I've had the worst day of my life, and I've had the worst year of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm getting, and then she just she went off. I'm getting a divorce. I don't have a home. I uh, tried to sell the home I'm in so I could move into something new. And my husband, my ex-husband blocked the sale. Mm-hmm. And she goes, just, I'm miserable. And I'm sad. And, and we just prayed for her. And she was crying. She goes, uh, this made my day. She goes, I'm going to go back to church. She goes, I used to go to church. I don't go anywhere. You know, and so that's the Holy Spirit moving through us. The, the quenching for me could be fear. Fear can quench the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm afraid to speak up. She might, she might think I'm an idiot. 
you know, uh, which she probably thought of anyway. <laughs> but, but anyway, so she, so she could think uh, it could be fear of, uh, you know, pleasing man, um, making sure that we're accepted and not seen as, as crazy. Um, another one could be, um, a question could be, okay, I really like some of these Bible teachers that say these gifts have ceased, so there's doubt in my mind. And, and I, want, I want to buy, maybe you guys could help me in the media department, the graphics. I want to buy a, I want to get a t-shirt that says, uh, hate doubt. <laughs> uh, just because I, because I hate it. I'm learning to hate it because I have so much of it. Uh-huh. You know, I doubt that the Holy Spirit would actually use me to, if, you know, so I see somebody, you know, limping and, you know, I, I, I want to pray for them. I want to see the, 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 new, the New Testament book of Acts come alive in my life, but I doubt that that would really work. And so there I am intellectually, I'm not a cessationist, but in my activation of the things that the Holy Spirit can do, I am. I'm a practical cessationist because I'm, I might as well be because I'm not moving in the in the realms. And so these things, our our, our friend um, Barry McGuire was speaking to our staff recently, and he talked about these nudges of the Holy Spirit, where where you get the sense of you know believe God to speak to that taxi cab driver or your next door neighbor, and 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 it can can be that the quenching. You can quench the Holy Spirit in in many ways. Uh, you're on. Uh, uh, you know, as a preacher, for instance, uh, I might try to impress a crowd uh, rather than speak a word that God has for them. Or I might say, I, I don't think that sermon has much zip to it, so instead I'll, I'll share this. Or, and I, I've even had the, the, those, those nudges in my messaging at times where I um, kind of be, be and I, I get the sense like, that, that story's unnecessary. You don't need that illustration. And I'll say it anyway, and all of a sudden you'll go. People go, and I go, oh shoot! I shouldn't listen. You know, I should have listened. I yeah. should have listened. And so that, so that's the difference for me is that we can do both. We can grieve and quench, and we want to be careful to, to to avoid both of them because once we do, man, there's this flow of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's this move of the Holy Spirit. There's this the fullness of the Holy Spirit's activities are engaged in our life. So we're getting all that comfort. We're getting all that truth. We're getting the the um, the, the um, Acts three nineteen says, you know, and and um, uh, refreshing uh, or re- re- renewal will come in the presence of the Lord, you know. So we're getting all these these great and mighty gifts that God has for us you know, by the Spirit, and then we're also getting the things that in First Corinthians we're talk that where he talks about is you know uh, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, and so <clears throat> you can have a spiritual gift, but it can be you know grieving the Holy Spirit, and you're not going to be functioning fully. I think even more so, quenching the Holy Spirit, and that gift will be—it's kind of like a fire hose that you know, if somebody were to grab it and just mm-hmm. squeeze it, uh, it's like the Holy Spirit is still there, still present, but what's coming out is a trickle. And I think that's happening in a lot of, whether it be like what I just said about preachers, a lot of what I've said has just trickled out, uh, uh, but it's also the whole body, um, and it's not just sort of the supernatural gifts of healing, and uh, but it's the you know the encouragement. And so somebody has a gift of encouragement. The Holy Spirit is flowing. It's going to give you powerful things to do, but you're going to go like, I'm tired. I, you know, I, I, They're not going to you know, appreciate. So doubt, unbelief, fear, selfishness, all those things hinder and quench the Holy Spirit. What about, uh, you know, a lot of people, they go to worship Sunday after Sunday, and they just kind of sit there and go through the motions like they have for 20 years they've been there. Would that be a form of quenching the Holy Spirit? That's a really, really good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. to- totally is, it, because it's, it's, it's hindering that. And that's, that's what, uh, 
the, the I was thinking about this yesterday. That a lot of people that say, um, I'm not really quenching the Holy Spirit just because you know I prayed for the sick, but they never get healed. Uh, oh, but even more so, I think what you're saying is people sit in the, in the pew and they've never prayed for anybody, and then intellectually and emotionally they're saying, you know, people really don't get healed anymore today. That's oh, maybe in Africa or Sri Lanka, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where it's out in the jungle where there's no Bible and maybe God will— Maybe the Holy Spirit will work there because he needs to, yeah. um, but but it's not going to happen here. And so they're sitting in their pew, and and they and they're saying these things don't happen. And then you, if you were to ask them, like, well, when's the last time you prayed for somebody who was sick? And they'd go like, oh, I don't do that. So well, of course it's not going to happen if you don't if you don't activate the gifts of the Spirit that He's given you. And so uh, when's the last time you encouraged somebody? When's the last time you did something besides maybe sit here and criticize the pastor or or judge the value of how effective the the worship was. You know that that there be more engagement in, and that's why he, you know he gave gifts to us so that the whole body is functioning as it's meant to be. And if some gifts aren't functioning, then the church is not really what all it's meant to be. As good as the sermon might be, and as good as the worship might be, which are the two elements that we tend to evaluate makes a good church or not. But if we're looking at a biblical church, we'd say where are is the whole body functioning mm-hmm. in unity and saying, I need the other part of this body together and together they are caring for the poor and helping the sick and caring for the widows and encouraging one another and teaching the truth and praying for one another with the gift of intercession and going out into the streets and evangelizing or, or foreign countries as missionaries, planting churches as apostles. These are, you know, that, that to me would be a, a greater sign of a healthy church, which is something that one leader couldn't do. He couldn't do all that, be an encourager, an intercessor, uh, and so he needs the, the whole body. I was thinking also of uh, pride would seem to be a, a way to quench the Holy Spirit. You're not really being open to what the Holy Spirit can do. I'm doing it all myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that also an area that uh, yeah. could be a downfall for some folks? It is. It is. It's a downfall for me. I've I received a thing, and I won't go into the details, but uh, what I call my baptism of love, maybe about five years ago, where this event came into my life and I just was filled with a new faith to believe God that, that I could preach the gospel to the lost and pray for them to receive Christ and, and sometimes even to get healed and maybe having words of knowledge where, you know, I've actually kind of stretched out in faith and said to a waitress, you know, uh, are you dealing with uh, cancers or some kind of, you know, and, and they say, yes, how'd you know? And, mm. and so, you know, I step out in faith like that. But one of the, when that baptism love happened to me, I felt like the Lord said, be very careful with this because it could be very easy for you to start going around telling these grand stories and starting feeling. And and I felt like the Lord said, if if you do that, I'll take this away from you. I'm not going to let you take credit for this. No. I don't share my glory with anybody. No. And I and I think I started doing that. And, and I did see this tremendous diminishment mm. uh, in my faith, in my desire to to live that kind of life. It was, again, it was, like, it was grieving because mm-hmm. of the pride. And then the quenching came as a result of that, and I had to repent, and I had to say, God, you know, you warned me about this, that how easy it is to get prideful that we work in our realm of gifts. And mm-hmm. you know, whatever gift we have, we tend to make, to elevate that to its highest, like, okay, so I'm a prophet. So the prophet's the most important mm-hmm. thing in the world, or I'm, a, I'm an evangelist. There's nothing more important in God's heart, you know, and we'll try to convince other Christians that what we're doing is the most important yeah. thing. And that's, that's hubris, that's pride. And you're absolutely right that that is, and that might even be one that is both grieving and quenching. I, I hadn't thought about that before. Is yeah. are there some that sort of 
tick both boxes. And yeah. that, I would say that probably be the yeah. one that, and pride comes before a fall. And, you know, if you want to be lifted up, you have to humble yourselves mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, flee from that pride, that pride. So for people watching and listening to this podcast and they're, they're like, like you were, like you talked about, you were skeptical of the Holy Spirit. Where do they start? What would you suggest they do to get back into a walk with the Holy Spirit where they need yeah. to be? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to be the Holy Spirit. And he's, he, he never does not do what he does. Is mm-hmm. that sense? Make, is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's going to do what he does. So it's not, there's never going to be a problem with him. It's not like we have to sort of cheerlead him on, mm-hmm. motivate him or, you know, speak to him. Hey, would you be willing to do this for me? He's ready to do it. So it has to be more how we are, you know, are functioning mm-hmm. internally. And so, so to, to see these things of the Holy Spirit move, move in us has to, be, I believe it has to come through faith, uh, you know, to really believe faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I love this because this is where it really marries uh, sometimes uh, divergent crowds, uh, a Holy Spirit crowd mm-hmm. uh, that just wants sort of you know, events mm-hmm. and the word kind of crowd. And I hope that I'm kind of, you know, I have ebbs and flows. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a word guy. You know, I just, I just, I just love the word. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's there, but hang on. I just, I'm, I'm yeah. not finished studying this, this passage or this, this yeah. doctrine. Uh, but at other times it's like, okay, that's good, but I, can't get just stuck only in doctrine. So those two things have to be married together. And so that, so it's, and, and you see it in that scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God initiates a faith that ignites the Holy Spirit's power uh, to work in us. So it's like, okay, the, my son is operating in faith and there's no quenching there now. He's not diminishing what I could do through him. So it's, it's an open channel. And I think I see that probably even in the foundation of our ministry at World Challenge, early history is, Faith, believing that God can do the extraordinary, uh, the things that man says are, says is possible, you believe that it is, and all of a sudden you find the impossible is actually ha- you know, what seems impossible is actually happening, and we find ourselves more and more living out the pages of the Book of Acts, which has always been my desire. Is I don't want to just read this and say, you know, that's th- those are great stories. I'm you know I'm glad they happened two thousand years ago, but saying like yes, that's the stuff that's still happening today. You know, we're still seeing the Holy Spirit move in that kind of power. So mm-hmm. faith, faith would certainly be one. And then the other one is desire. Uh, that um, you know, Paul talks about that in Corinthians: earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Uh, and and that, that so there's this ambition. There's there's it's a godly ambition. It's like I want to I want to see this happen. And uh, and the word desire there is is, is part of asking. So I, so I'm going to ask for. You know, I, I I do believe the Holy Spirit. You know, because he gives as there's in that same chapter says he gives as he wills one to each to one as he wills, and so I think there is a sovereign act of God. But then also Paul, almost in a sandwich at the beginning of that chapter says, desire uh, gifts mostly this one, but desire you know any. And so I think there is there is a um, you know just like we can ask for more faith or we can ask for more patience. I think we can ask for certain gifts. So uh, you know I, I think I just naturally by the grace of God have somewhat of a gift of teaching and I, I have to hone that and continue to believe in faith for that. But, but I, I always ask for the gift of, of evangelism mm-hmm. and the gift of healing because I think those two things in tandem mm-hmm. really are, are, are like what John Wimber years and years ago, the founder of Vineyard said, called it power evangelism. Uh, cause we live in a, I'm, I'm really getting divergent from your <laughs> question here, but we live in a, in a society, particularly in America that's very skeptical and very intellectual 
everything is processed through the mind, very little through the heart. And, and so, uh, you know, t- to just sit down with somebody who has that, it's going to be arguments, it's going to be point counterpoint. Uh, but then all of a sudden, if you can sort of come around side them and, and say something or speak something into their life that is that only the Holy Spirit could have told you, uh, you sometimes uh, go beyond the argument and get into their heart and do that. So I, that's why I, I want not only evangelism in an apologetic way, but also a, some type of supernatural gift uh, that could be discernment or a gift of faith to believe. You could pray for somebody and see mm-hmm. miracles happen or or circumstances change. You're praying for somebody who's lost and you ask him, like a guy at my gym, I pray for, you know, he wants to move out of his, this place he's living. And so I started praying for him and I, you know, next time I see him, I'm going to ask him. And yeah. my faith is he's going to, to, to do that. We actually saw it uh, two, three days ago. There was a donut shop. My wife and I unfortunately frequent too often. <laughs> and, uh, one of the, we asked them if they had any prayer requests and they said, well, we've been trying for months to get into the, the, the store next door is Bandon and the same landlord, but he's given us a lot of heartache and headache mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to knock a wall down and stuff. Yeah. And so we started praying for them and we went, went and had some donuts on Sunday and the wall was broken down and, they, and hey. we said, Hey, we've been praying for you. And this little lady said, I know, thank you. It's like, like, this is a miracle. And so you're, you're kind of going beyond that. And yeah. so I, I think, this, so, so faith, um, desire, and then Paul says, okay, to put a capstone on all this, above all these things I said about having faith for gifts, about having multiple gifts functioning, about desiring earnestly the spiritual gifts, but above all these things put on love. And I think all of the stuff that we're talking about today is the, the, the pinnacle of what the Holy Spirit wants to do is, is, is let us know how much we're loved by God. The Father loves us so much. He's, we're his precious children. We're dear to him. He's not against us. He's for us uh, so, so that we are loved. The Holy Spirit makes that known to us. And then his love through us, again, as we're talking about these two forms of the Holy Spirit working in us and then through us. And that that's Paul saying, make sure that all this is love. So you speak in tongues or you have prophecies or you gift of healing. If, if you're not loving people, then all these things are just very, very much similar to something that could happen. You know, a, I hope this doesn't sound terrible, but a psychic maybe could occasionally guess something went wrong. You know, yeah. your husband left you and then, uh, oh, wow, you're... You know, and so mystical things could happen, but that psychic doesn't have the love of God. And so that's where Paul is saying, okay, the gift is powerful. Let's use it. But as you couple it with love, uh, especially it's divine love, it's a Holy Spirit love, it's God's love, you have something that the world, mystics and gurus and Mm. practitioners of, you know, crystals, whatever, they they don't have that. They don't have that that Holy Spirit love. And actually, they don't have the pure gift either. They have a, a, a copy of it, a worldly copy, like the those who tried to heal the seven sons of Sceva. You know, they thought, yeah. well, we could heal too. Yeah. Uh, ends up being dangerous to them. But the the person, and I think that could happen to a Christian as well, who's trying to get those desiring gifts without love. So I I went to this church and they were talking about, you know, going out in the streets and healing the sick. I, you know, I want that too, but you're not loving people. Then I think it's a dangerous gift, actually, and that's where going back to what you yeah. asked earlier, pride yeah. probably comes in, and maybe love is the antidote to pride. Yeah, and you're a clinging gong, I think, as uh, Scripture yeah. tells us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get started on that T-shirt, and I think we may okay. have one too. <laughs> that says, "Faith is greater than doubt." 
There you go. That yeah, would, that, based on what you said, it is because uh, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it just if it just says hate doubt, it doesn't have the complete sense of faith as being yeah. the antidote to that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we could do that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Well, thank you, Gary. Yeah, Hopefully, this you. will help, help some folks. And uh, in the show notes, we'll have a lot of those references that you had to some of those books that you've okay. read. Yeah. And we'll see if uh, this helps some people, and and hopefully the Holy Spirit will move in their lives too. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Mm-hmm. It's good to be back with you. We okay. we were doing a lot of these uh, podcasts together, and then yeah. we kind of got diverted through. COVID, we're doing a lot of stuff from my basement. Uh, it's nice to be back face-to-face. Yeah, it's with always you fun. Here in our fairly new studio. We've been using yeah. it some time, but thank you for taking the time today. Thanks, Gary. You again. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.